Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We will be continuing our series on the seven signs in the Gospel of John today. And we're on the third sign, the healing of the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, as we look at these signs in the Gospel of John, and that's what they're called signs, they point to something more significant. They point to how Jesus is the Son of God and He is the Messiah. And just a reminder, that's why John wrote his Gospel in John 20, verse 30. It says that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written, these seven signs in the Gospel of John are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. And so that's why we're doing this. Um, once there was a wealthy man that threw a party at his mansion, and he had a brand new pool, a saltwater pool, and he had put some fish in it. And when Everybody gathered at the party. He thought he would really up it a notch. And so he released some small baby sharks into the pool. And then he offered a million dollars to anyone brave enough to swim across the pool. Everything was real quiet. Nobody moved. And all of a sudden there was a big splash. And this guy was in there swimming. And I mean, he swam at record speed. He jumped up out of that pool. Everybody's giving him praise, you know, he's completely out of breath. And finally, when he composes himself, he says, I've got one question. Who pushed me? <laughs> yeah. Well, this story in the Bible today is not about being pushed in a pool, but it is about a man who wanted to get into a pool in order to get healed of his uh, disability. So look, if you will, in John 5, verse 1, it says, after this, and what's What's that mean? Well, in chapter 4, we just looked at last week the healing of an of a official son. We talked about that last week. That has just happened. That's the second sign. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, after this, a Jewish festival took place. We don't know which one it was, but that's not important. John didn't tell us which one. But it was the reason why Jesus went back to Jerusalem. It's because it was time for a holy festival. And by the Sheep Gate... In Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bestida in Aramaic, which has five colonnades like porches. And within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And this will be one of those rare times in, in some translations of the Bible. It'll, it'll skip a verse, but you'll have a little letter that tells you to go down and read the footnote. And uh, you read that footnote and... The to verse 3 and 4, says that these uh, blind, lame, and, and paralyzed people were waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. And the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, uh, was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. And so there was this belief that uh, I think there were springs in the area. Whenever the water was stirred, they believe an angel had stirred it, and they believe the first one in when the water was stirred would be healed. And that's why they all gathered there, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. But let's go on to verse 5. One man who was there, uh, who had been disabled for 38 years. 
when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. And he replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Well, who is this man who told you to pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And after this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So much here, but let's kind of talk through the story for a minute. Notice the hopelessness of the people. Here are blind, lame, and paralyzed people that have no hope of getting better. They have nowhere to go. They've turned to the best that the world offers, and it's not helping. It's not working. And here they are with a disability for life, and they put their hopes on one thing. There's this one place in Jerusalem where there is the Sheep Gate, and then there's the Pool of Bestida with the five porches. And I think they put those porches there to kind of give them some shade because they hung out there all the time. And they were just waiting. Just waiting for that moment to that water stirred and they see it. And the first one in, they hope and pray gets better. That's what their life came down to, is hoping that something's going to change and hoping that something's going to get better. And in the midst of that group of people, there's one guy who's been thinking that way for a long time. He's had the same problem for 38 years. That's a long time. And so you think about that and you go, man, that's how hopeless it was for some people. And then you look at the brokenness of religion. I mean, here is a story with a happy middle. I'm not going to say a happy ending, but a happy middle because in the middle of the story, the guy's healed by Jesus, right? And if you stop there, you're like, man, that's great. The end, right? Put a bow on it. That's great. It's awesome. But then he does what Jesus told him to do. Get up and he's healed. So he gets up, he takes his mat and he's walking. And it's the Sabbath. And the religious people see him and say, you're not supposed to do that. I think I talked about this Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we were talking about the role of the law. And um, what I want you to realize, and for some of you to remember from Wednesday, but what I want you to realize is that the Pharisees came along and they were so misguided and meticulous when it came to keeping God's laws that they ranked them in order of importance. And then they began to pick them apart. And so like, keep the Sabbath day holy. It's a day of worship. It's a day of rest. And so you're not supposed to work. And so you know what they did? 
they asked, asked the question, what is work? And then they came up with all these long definitions and explanations and rules that said you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do that because it's work. And carrying your mat, that was work. So you're breaking the Sabbath. So mister, I don't know who told you, but you need to put that down and walk away. You're, you're, you're working. And of course, when they call him out, you know, it's the Sabbath day, and they say to the man, hey, this is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. And he says, the man who made me well told me. Well, who is that? Didn't get his name. Isn't it peculiar that Jesus goes to the one place where all of these disabled people are? If he wanted to heal everybody, he could, okay? But that's not why he came. He came to show people the way. And so he came and he found the guy that had been there probably the longest, 38 years. And he healed him. And before people could realize what happened, he was gone. Or he would have been there and had a healing uh, you know, extravaganza. And so it was a sign of what God can do if we look to him and depend to him. But you see the brokenness of religion. Instead of focusing on honoring God and helping people, it was all about rules and regulations. And it didn't fit their mold. So you have the hopelessness of people. You have the brokenness of religion. And then you have the seriousness of unbelief. Now this one you don't see um, until you start studying the, the Gospel of John. But if you zoom out for a minute from this miracle, from this third sign, if you zoom out and look at the big picture that John is painting in his Gospel then you will notice that very early on in the gospel, which this is the fifth chapter, you begin to see this theme emerge, and it, it, it persists through the end of John, and that is this growing sense of unbelief among a lot of the, of the Jewish people. Here is Jesus. He's come, and he's, um, he's doing all these signs, and, and it, it was given to us in John chapter 1. He came to his own, and they what? They received him not. Okay, they rejected him. And he came and he did all these signs to, to point to something bigger and greater that he is who he claimed to be, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. And, and here in this story, this is when the Jews began persecuting Jesus because it says in verse uh, 16, uh, well, first of all, in 15, the man went and reported to the Jews, it was Jesus who made him well. And therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. They didn't like what he was doing, and they didn't like when he was doing it. And so they were persecuting him because it didn't fit their, their mold. So you have the seriousness of unbelief. And quite frankly, I really wonder, as I'm being honest here, did this guy come to know the Lord? I mean, he was healed, yes. But did he come to know Jesus? I'm not sure, because when Jesus sees him in the temple... He says to him, he says, um, he says, do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And that kind of insinuates that whatever his, you know, his disability could have been due to some kind of sin. Now, that doesn't mean that all disability and all diseases are connected to sin, but it does say that sometimes maybe that is the reason. And in this, in this, in this particular case, Perhaps that was a reason. That's why Jesus said it. But I like what Adrian Rogers says. Jesus is God's strength for your disabilities. 
But I want to zoom in today, and I want us to look at this story, and I want to answer one question. And it's the question that Jesus asked the man. And that is, do you want to get well? Isn't it peculiar that here is Jesus, he goes to the one place in Jerusalem where all the people that need the most help are, and he finds the one guy that probably has needed more help than anybody for the longest amount of time, 38 years as a paralytic, and he has the audacity to say, do you want to get well? Why did he say that? Well, let's look at that. Do you want to get well? Number one, you have to admit the problem. You know, when someone asks you, do you want to get well, you got to acknowledge things aren't working. It's not working. I always got tickled at Dr. Phil on his show. He'd always say, how's that working for you? Right? Well, admit the problem. And here the man admits the problem. Uh, when Jesus says, do you want to get well? Says, uh, sir. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. You know, I don't know about you, but insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over, expecting something different. You'd figure after 37 tries, you'd go, I need to get closer to the pool. I need to be right on the edge. And as soon as those waters are stirred, hey, buddy, just knock me in, or I'll just fall over, right? We got to come up with a plan, right? We got to do something. But uh, here is this guy. He's admitting the problem. I, I, I don't have anybody to help me. I, I, I can't do it. And many times I think if we want to get well, particularly if we want to uh, become whole uh, in, in, in the full sense of that word, uh, when it comes to us and God, we've got to admit the problem. We've got to acknowledge it and we've got to admit it. We've got to Tell God, you know, I'm helpless. I can't do this on my own. I can't do it. I'm reminded of what Romans 5 says. It says, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. See, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ came and He died. You know, you and I, we can't help ourselves. You know, you've heard that old saying, probably for years, God helps those who helps themselves. I haven't seen that in the Bible. Sounds good on a bumper sticker, but that's not biblical, okay? We have to come to God just as we are, and we have to own our behavior. We have to acknowledge the problem. We have to admit, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And we need to ask God for help. Do you want to get well? The second thing we have to do is answer the question. And that's what's peculiar here. The guy really didn't answer the question. He gave a politician answer. You know, you ask a politician... Point blank, blah, 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 yes or no. Go right into something else, right? And so this guy, he, he, he's, he's asked by Jesus, hey, do you want to get well? Nobody can help me get in the pool. Whenever the water stirs, somebody beats me to it. It's not what I asked, you know. Do you want to get well? I remember years ago, um, 
I was training some Christian counselors in a previous church where I served. And um, I remember one of the first training sessions we had was I mentioned how you need to find out if they want help. And there was a businessman in the training. And that did not compute with him. He goes, well, yeah, they want help or they wouldn't come to you. So then I had to back up and I had to rephrase my question. And I said, okay, so you're a counselor and someone comes to you. Do you think they won't help? Well, yeah, they wouldn't come to me. Okay, let me back up again. And so I kept, I kept talking to him and I said, people will come to you that don't want help. And he didn't understand that. And I said, listen to me. I said, people will come to you because they want to be validated. They want to be told they're okay. Or they come to you because they want to be told it's not my fault. It's the way I was raised. It's that person's fault. It's my family's fault. It's that boss's fault. It's somebody else's fault, but it's not mine. My counselor told me so. Okay? And then you have people that will come to you because they, they want the attention. They want somebody to listen to them. Or maybe people come to you because they, they need the distraction of I'm doing something so I'm okay. I mean, there's a million reasons why people could come. There's the right reason, okay? And then there's a bunch of wrong reasons. And so when Jesus asked the guy, do you want to get well? That's a valid question after he's had this problem for 38 years and he's been hanging out at the only place he knows to get better and it's still not working. He still can't get help. Ain't nothing changed. So that's a valid question. Do you want to get well? And the sad thing is, the guy didn't know how to answer the question. All he could say is, I can't get no help. And thankfully, Jesus went ahead and helped the man. He did what the man couldn't do. He healed him. But look how he did it. He still wanted the guy you know, to respond. And so the third thing here on do you want to get well, after you admit the problem and after you answer the question, you need to accept the Lord's offer. And that's what the guy did. It says right here, Jesus said, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Now, the, this is one of those moments, there's a few others in Scripture, but this is one of those moments where God tells you to do something that up until that moment, you can't do. But it's called the divine enablement. When God tells you to do something, He's going to enable you to do it if you're willing. And so Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the minute the guy decided to get up, he could. He was healed. Now he was ready to respond. He was ready to act. And he accepted the Lord's word. He got up and he took up his mat and he walked. And that's the beautiful part of the story. You know, sometimes we're afraid to let go, aren't we? We're afraid to surrender. We're afraid to lay something down and give it to God. And God says, you need to lay that down. You need to give me that. And we're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But after you've admitted the problem, after you've answered the question, you've got to accept the Lord's offer. And this guy was able to respond to Jesus. When Jesus told him to get up, he got up and he was well.
he'd receive the healing. You know, today when we think about this son, I think about a lot of people today that are helpless and hopeless. They've been doing the same thing for a long time and it's not getting any better and it's not working. Maybe we need to admit the problem. And then we need to actually answer the question, do we really want to get well? Because let's be honest, we're creatures of habit. We can get used to the same old thing just because it's the same old thing. And sometimes we'd rather deal with the same old thing than something different because at least we know what to expect. And that's how people get stuck. That's why people don't change. They just get stuck in the same old, same old, even when it's not working. And so here, we have to accept the Lord's word and accept his offer. God will tell us to do what we can't do, but when he commands us to do it, the divine enablement is there. If we're willing, if we're willing, we can step out, we can stand up, and we can do the very thing that we didn't think we could do only because God enables us to do it. And so today I want to encourage you to think about your life. Where are you in your walk with God? Can you admit there's a problem? Can you answer the question, do I want to be well? Do I want to be whole? And then you've got to be willing to accept what God can do in your life. I can't do it. You can't do it. But guess what? He can. He can and He will and He always does. And so today we're going to have an invitation. And I want to encourage you to think about the goodness of God, the grace of God. Think about the good gospel, the good news that Jesus came and He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserved. He hung on that cross between two thieves. He became a curse for us because the Bible says cursed is anyone who dies on a tree. And he died on that tree, on that cross for you and me. Maybe you've never took that first step. Maybe you've been stuck in your life and you feel hopeless and broken. Maybe God's speaking to you today and you just need to get up in the strength God provides and come to him just as you are. If everyone will stand, musicians, ushers come, we're going to have a time to respond to God. And again, I'll remind you, as I said earlier today, if, um, if God leads you to pray, won't you come and pray at this altar? That's what it's for. But we want to respond to God right now, let him have his will and way in our life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can come. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will in each and every person's life. Lord, we, we pray that we'll come just as we are. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, 
find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.